are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So those of you who are in the room, I said I'm so glad we get to worship together today. So those of you who are in the room and those of you who are watching from home online or those of you in the balconies, I'm really glad that you're with us. So... I uh, watched a story this week of a little girl who had foster parents and it was her birthday. She was probably eight or nine years old. So here's what happens. She opens all of her presents and they hand her another box. She picks the box up. It's very light. It's not taped down. It's not gift wrapped. It's just a lid on it. She takes the lid off and in the box written in bold letters, happy birthday, from your forever family. She reads it. She looks at her foster care mother and then at her foster care father and she's processing and they say, we're adopting you. You're you're never going to leave us. We're your forever family. And she just collapses into her foster care father who is now her forever father. His arms... And then she reaches over and throws her arms around her foster care mother, who is now her forever mother's neck, and just cries and weeps. It was awesome. Interestingly, when the New Testament talks about you and me being born again. So the first time that I was born... My mother gave birth to me. I was born into our family. But the Bible talks about being born again, being born of the Spirit. And when you're born of the Spirit, you're born into a family where there is friendship and fellowship and companionship. And I'm sure there's other ships. I just can't think of them. But there's love and there's care and there's belonging you become part of this, this family. So Simon Peter uses language like this today in the passage that we're going to be studying. Once you were in darkness, but now you have been brought into the light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. What he's really trying to say is that something has happened to you. And when you are born again, you are born into this family. Now, I'm going to read to you in a moment from 1 Peter. And when I do, you're going to say, wow, there is a lot of language here that I don't use every day in my life. And what Simon Peter is using is a lot of Old Testament language. And there's a reason why he uses the Old Testament language. He is steeped, actually, as he writes in Old Testament language. He, he uses terms that are associated with the people of Israel for the New Testament church. What he's trying to do is say to these Gentile believers who are scattered throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, he's trying to say to them that you are part of Abraham's family. When you were born again, you were born into this family that God promised Abraham thousands of years ago. Not only you were born into this family, but the purpose... The calling that God had on Abraham's life is still the calling of this family that you're coming into. And we'll talk more about it in a moment, but it's about declaring God's praises, announcing who God is, proclaiming God's grace and goodness. 
and living with open arms as we invite others into this family with us. So let me take you to 1 Peter chapter 2, okay, verse 4. Now, we've been saying for weeks now that he is writing to people who are living under persecution because of their faith, being persecuted because of their faith. So they're in a time of crisis. And what we know over these last four months and what we know from 1 Peter is that when you are in crisis, you tend to focus on the essentials. And so today that essential is that we declare the praises of God, announce the praises, announce who God is, inviting other into that family. Okay, so here we go. As you come to him, Simon Peter says, the living stone rejected by humans. So we're talking Christology here, okay? This is what we understand about Jesus, chosen by God, precious to God. Even though some rejected Jesus, he was chosen by God, precious to God. Um, You also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We're going to dive into that in a minute. To be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in him, the scripture says, and he's quoting Isaiah here and Psalm and then back to Isaiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, what is it? It's the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you... So who is he talking about when he says you? He's talking about you. He's talking about people who have put their faith in Jesus. He talks about people who now trust in God for their salvation. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I think you're going to find this interesting. And and in a moment, I'm going to ask you, what is your maybe reaction And and then after you thought about it, what's your response? And when you read the words that I'm going to give you in a moment, I'm going to ask you, what do you feel when you read words like these? So you remember in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were nomads. They didn't live in one place very long. They lived in tents and life was about the flock or the herd, and we're going to go to where there's good grazing. So when the grazing is gone, we pull up the stakes, we move, we put our tent somewhere else, and we live there for a while. God says, well, where's my dwelling? And he gives them very special instructions to erect a tabernacle. It was also called the tent of meeting. 
And so what happens is when they follow the instructions that God gives, they erect this tabernacle, this tent of meeting. And the Bible says that the glory of God filled the tabernacle. And you remember Moses would go and he would meet with God. He would actually enter the tabernacle. And what did all of Israel do? They stood at the door of their tents while Moses was in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, meeting with God. Well, you remember when David becomes king, David begins to struggle and he says, you know, God, I've built myself this awesome palace, this great house that I live in, but you still live in a tent. We should build you a house, a temple. God says, well, thanks, David, but it's actually your son Solomon who's going to oversee the building of my house. And so Solomon becomes king after David died, and Solomon oversees the building of the temple in Jerusalem. I was in Jerusalem, as you know, just about over a year ago, and and I got to see where that temple once stood. And so when they built the temple, what happens? The Bible tells us that the glory of God fills the temple. There's the inner, inner rather, sanctum, the Holy of Holies, and for the people of Israel, this is where God lives. This is where God dwells. All right. You ready for the words? You got the backdrop in mind, right? The tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the temple in Jerusalem. Now, I'm preaching from First Peter, but I'm going to borrow the words of the Apostle Paul first, and then we'll go to Simon Peter's words, but the reason is because they're so succinct. So here's the, here's the verse, and after you read it, I want you to tell me what, what's your reaction, or maybe after you thought about it, what's your response, or how do you feel when you read these words? You ready for them? Here they are in 2 Corinthians. For we, meaning those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we are the temple of the living God. Wow. You are God's house. The God who created everything dwells in you. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? How do you respond when somebody says that to you? You are the temple of the living God. You are the very house of God. Paul Paul says something else later on in that same book when he says, for we, rather our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, honor God with your body. So what Simon Peter does when he writes this first epistle to these Christians in Asia Minor, he says to them, do you understand, and he does not have the temple of Jerusalem in mind when he says this, that that we are living stones being built into this spiritual house. Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation for it all, but, but we are living stones. He's talking about people. We are the temple of God. God lives in us. God dwells in us. And the world around us looks at us and they catch a glimpse of God. 
Now notice he doesn't say, you are the living stone. No, he uses plural, not singular, stones. All of us together make up this, this family, this spiritual house. I read you a moment ago other words like um, chosen people. He doesn't say chosen person. He doesn't use the singular. He uses the plural. God has always had a people, not a person. He doesn't say you are a priest. He says, no, you're part of the royal priesthood. Again, it's not singular. It's plural. He doesn't say you're a holy individual. No, you're a holy people. Again, refusing to use the singular but the plural. You understand, Christianity came into a culture. And this has been preserved in Christianity. Came into a culture that did not focus first on the individual, but focused first on the community. It's not just about me. First, it's about us. And so you, you would maybe, you know, react today and say, well, Rick, I, you know, I think that we kind of live in a world today where the focus is not really on the, the community. It's, it's more on the individuals. I mean, that's kind of what I see. It's, well, what about me? And, you know, what are you going to do for me? And what have you done for me lately? And what about my needs and what about my desires and what about my wants? And, and Rick, I think that maybe, you, you know, as you preach, because I've heard you preach before, you might say, well, sometimes in the church we see this. Well, let me, let me tell you another story about the church. And let me give you a great example of what it looks like when the focus is not first on me, but first on the community and where the community is going and the mission of the community. So to tell you that, I would have to take you out these doors and walk you up this ramp that's over to my left and into the sanctuary to a room that is a construction zone. It's a mess in there. A few months ago, we began to think as a community about our future and about our mission and about what God was asking of us. And we came to believe that part of our future was a renewal of that room, but it was going to cost lots of money, millions of dollars. And I remember the night very well in November when we gathered downtown for a dinner together and so many that night wrote down a number, and over the next few days, more people wrote down a number. And people said to me, I wrote that number down with such ease and such confidence. Now, here's what's happened since then. In order to meet that obligation, in order to pay that pledge, many people have watched their savings accounts go from here down to here as you've written checks out of your savings accounts. Most people have had to adjust their financial position in life and their way of living. And, and most of you have had to say, okay, if I'm going to do this in a three-year period, then that means I'm going to have to give this much every pay period. And that means that we're going to have to not do some of these things that we've been doing. And we're going to have to cut back in some other areas. And we're going to have to adjust our lifestyles in order to do what we feel like is best for this community and the mission that we believe God has called this community to. See, I think that's an incredible picture of what it's like to say, no, I'm not putting me first. I'm not putting mine first. I'm not putting my desires first or what I want first, but I'm saying I'm part of a community and I believe that God has called this community in a particular direction. 
And God has a mission for us, and we believe that the future of this community is very important, and the future of our children is very important. And so, I make sacrifices personally for the sake of the community and the mission that God's called us to. Can I get an amen? I love it. I love you for it. I love what I see in you. I love the fact that you're willing to say, no, it's not about me first. I'm not focusing on me first. It's about what God is asking us as a community to do first. And so the language that he uses is awesome. You know, right before we started that project, we had a wedding in there. It was the last wedding. I remember watching that young couple stand there on the platform. And here's what the guy says to the, to, to the, to the young girl he's marrying. He says, I will keep myself only unto you so long as we both shall live. And she says, well, then I will keep myself only unto you so long as we both shall live. Big words. And right there in front of their parents and their families and their friends and God, they make this commitment entering into a covenant relationship. Faithfulness. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. And when Simon Peter begins to use this language that he brings up from the Old Testament, quoting Isaiah and David and later Hosea, this chosen people is covenant language. I've chosen you. I will be your God. And you will be my people. And what God is committing and expecting is faithfulness. I'm going to be faithful to you. And I'm going to expect your faithfulness to me. Chosen people, special possession. You know, there's two things that you can only get by birth in this passage. One is royalty. You know how you become royal blood? You're born into the royal family. There's not a back door in. You're royal or you're not. The other thing is priesthood. Either you're born into the Levite tribe or you're not. And if you're not, you're not a priest. And if you are, you are a priest. And so Simon Peter repeats the language that we read back just a few weeks ago. You have been born again, borrowing language from Jesus. First time you're born by your mother, this natural birth, born into this family. But the second time, spiritual birth. You're born into this other family when you were born again. And when you were born again, you were born into royalty and you were born priestly. Think about this. What does it mean? It means you have direct access to God. Thank God is right. Do you know what the word priest means from the Latin word that it's taken, pontifex? You'll love it. We've been talking about it some lately. Bridge builder. It's what a priest does. Builds a bridge 
connecting God to others, others to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you connect to God. I'll build a bridge so you can experience know God. Well, hang on to that because it's where we're headed here in a minute in this passage. I grew up in, well, it's such a bad habit I can't break. I grew up in a, yeah, I did, small Kentucky town. All of my life, Sunday was different from any other day of the week, all of my life. I never knew it any other way. I remember as a kid, sometimes I would lament the fact or moan because I couldn't do certain things on Sundays. It was different. We kept Sabbath principles on the Lord's Day on Sunday, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. My parents wanted it to be like no other day. Corporate worship, that happened on Sunday. The rest of the day was unique to other days. We didn't, we didn't work on Sundays. My dad was not in a business where he had to work on Sundays. When, when you think about the, the, the Greek word for holy, it's hagias. And, and literally carries that connotation of difference. Different. The Old Testament word in Hebrew, kadash, separate, set apart, other than. God is holy. God says, be holy because I'm holy. We've, we've never experienced anything in the world like God. He is other than everything. You're my chosen people. Be faithful. You, you're the royal priesthood. You're building bridges. You are a holy nation. Holy people. You're different. You stand out. People see that there's something unique, special. People are curious. What is it about the people at that church? They, they, they love like nobody else loves. They, they give like other people don't give. They forgive like few people forgive. It's all going somewhere for Simon Peter, and, and here's, here's where it goes. It's, it's, it's this direction. Are you familiar with the, uh, the comedy um, magician duo Penn and Teller? Kind of TV personalities, you're shaking your head, you kind of know. Penn, I think Gillette is his name, the taller of the two, the one who talks. Um, by his own profession, he says, I'm atheist. 
He tells a story about one night after a show, they stand around and they meet people and they sign autographs and they talk to people. And he says, there was a guy over here, I would call him a hoverer. He just, he, I, there's people like that often. They just wait and wait and they kind of want to be the last one. And, and, um, and, and there's this guy, I've noticed him, he's over there. He's finally, everybody, it's his turn. He comes up and he wants an autograph. He, he's very complimentary about the show. He, he's very kind to me. And he says, uh, I brought you a gift. And out of his pocket, he retrieves a, a little book. It's about this tall and it's about that wide. New Testament. And he opens it and he says, I've written my phone number and my email address in the inside cover here in my name. If you ever want to talk about Jesus, if you ever want to talk about my faith, I would, I would love to talk to you about, you know, my, my faith and, and, and my, my Jesus. And so Pendulette says that somebody overhears this and says, is this offensive to you? What? This guy trying to, you know, share his faith with you. And he says, no. You're not offended by that. Not at all. He says, on the contrary, I would ask you this question. If somebody believes they really have the knowledge, the key to eternal life, and his words jolted me. I mean jolted me. How bad would they have to hate you in order to not be willing to share it with you? In other words, if I saw somebody who was about to be hit by a truck, I think I would probably be willing to almost risk my life to tackle them, whatever I need to do to keep them from losing life. And so as he's telling the story, he says it a second time. So how bad would you have to hate somebody if you really believed that you had the words of eternal life that you wouldn't share it with somebody? And that's where Simon Peter goes, that we might declare the praises of the one who brought us out of darkness into light. Every scholar I consulted says this is not simply about being together and lifting our hands in praise to God. This is announcing what God has done through Jesus. This is telling people about what God has done through Jesus, telling people about the life that he offers. And so here's where we end up, okay? This is where we end up. And I think I missed a slide along the way, but you're with me back there. Thanks so much. We are a family with open arms. In other words, we have not only been born again into a family, but we live like this, saying everybody's welcome in this family. In fact, we're announcing, we're proclaiming, we're declaring, we're telling the story because we want other people in the family. We're not like exclusive saying we got our family and we're tight and we don't really want anybody else. No, no, no. We live like this saying, come on into the family. And when you're born again, you'll be born into this family with us. Huh. Four kids in the family I was born into. So with mom and dad, there were six of us at the dinner table and you didn't get to not be at the dinner table. You had to have a really good excuse to miss dinner, even as a teenager. 
One of the things I loved most about our dinner table was that uh, it was a pretty open dinner table. Almost anybody could come. And, and often they did. My, my dad would stand in the foyer of our little church on Sunday night sometimes and just say, everybody's welcome to our house. Problem is, he had not mentioned that to my mom prior to. <laughs> and my mom would just shake her head and grin and go home and start popping popcorn. And, and everybody was welcome. And so when you're born again, you're born into a family. And we can't think of ourselves just as individuals. We think of ourselves as belonging to a family. And this is a family that lives with its arms open. And so today we're, we're coming to the table together as a family. We haven't gotten to do this for a long time. We come celebrating the presence of Jesus in the family, the cornerstone, the foundation on which this family is built. And he is here and he is with us. And we receive his grace today. And so I know it's a little bit different and none of us love the position we're in today, but we're in this position. And so today we have disposable communion cups. And so, you know, I don't know what to tell you to do. Just do your best and try to figure it out. I'm going to put on a pair of glasses and see if I can figure it out. But if God can give us Jesus and bring us into this family, he can help us figure this out. And so if you'll just prepare yourself with the bread and the drink. And focus with me. So Jesus was with his disciples. And he took bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Broken for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. I have tasted, Simon Peter says, and I've seen that the Lord is good. Amen. Then he took the drink and he said, my blood of the new covenant poured out for the ransom of many. Drink it, all of you. Let us be the people of praise, Father. Declaring, announcing praise for what you, Lord, have done through Jesus. The fact that he continues to call people out of darkness into light. Once we are not a people, but now we're the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but we celebrate the fact that we have received mercy and we are members of this family living with open arms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.